Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for joining us on Inside Sources. I'm Doug Wright filling in this weekend. Uh, next, it's fun to be with you and... We encourage you to communicate uh, back and forth with us, and we've had quite a people, quite a few people do that uh, when we brought up the issue of President Trump and his latest tweets. And uh, one of the presidential candidates on the other side of the aisle has suggested that uh, Twitter should basically do away with his account because it has become so outrageous talking about what would happen if he were to be impeached and the Civil War and things like that. Uh, so anyway, uh, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to hear from you on the top we're going to talk about next as well and it's a real pleasure we heard about this yesterday and i thought we've got to get somebody uh, from the governor's office from the state or the governor himself to join us laurel uh, laura haskell is joining us right now the drought executive order was rescinded yesterday by the governor and she is the drought specialist for the utah division of water resources and laura what a pleasure to have you here in studio thanks for coming down thank you Let's talk about the executive order itself. Let's rewind the tape just a little bit here. What what caused or what was that tipping point for the president, uh, for the president, for the governor to issue the executive order? We had over 99% of the state that was in uh, drought conditions. Uh, almost 85% of that was severe drought or worse. And it, it just covered the entire state and it was so drastic. It is kind of an interesting situation when so much of the state, we've heard of, you know, down south, they're, they're struggling and up here we're awash in water and vice versa. But to have something so universal and w- when the governor decided to do that, what did the executive order actually say? What was requested of and required of the people of the state and the organizations in the state? It actually more went into conditions of why the drought was being declared. It went through some of the impacts that were being felt throughout the state. The fact that the declaration was made opened the channels that federal government, federal government and state government programs and funding could be given to those who are being so impacted by the drought. Sometimes uh, I I think when we're talking about drought, we forget that there are some resources that do come federally when things do indeed get bad. But were they anywhere near enough to really help us through this? Or was it pretty much just buck up and, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and use some common sense? They were every little bit helps, I think. And anything, any relief that these affected people could be getting is going to help. Uh, Whether 
they certainly don't mitigate every single res- impact of that. Right. Who was most affected? Uh, affected was there a was was it agriculture? Was it uh, ranchers? What 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 happened? It really was universal. It was wildlife was drastically impacted. We had so many wildfires from yeah. the plants and things. Ranchers had to sell off their cattle sometimes at a forty percent loss. Uh, agriculture, their crops were decimated or just didn't produce the same. It, I looked over the the list of uh, people that were included, represented on the various committees and so on. The DNR, the Division of Natural Resources, the Governor's Office of Management and Budget, Economic Development, the Departments of Environmental Quality, Agriculture and Food, Community and Economic Development, the Divisions of Emergency Management, Forestry, Fire, State Lands and Wildlife Resources. It really was an all-hands-on-deck. And when did we start to see... A turnaround in this emergency because a lot of it is not so much up to us unfortunately it's up to mother nature it is we saw a turnaround as we had the snowfall coming and the the moisture winter that we had and all that snowpack and as it started to add moisture to the soil and really heal that dryness you know it, it was interesting because when uh, i had I, I can't remember which water conservancy district it was, but I had them on the air with me and it was winter and we were looking out of these windows and looking up at the beautiful Wasatch Mountains. And I talked about snowpack and it was interesting. This this individual said, you know, when I look up at the mountains, I don't see snowpack. I see big white reservoirs. I see Mother Nature storing our water for us. And we're talking a little bit about uh, climate change and if the climate were to change dramatically here in the West, that if we got the same amount of moisture, but it came in the form of rain versus snow, just what a dramatic difference that would make for the entire Intermountain West and certainly for the Wasatch Front and certainly for the state of Utah. What was the snowpack last year? You know, I talked with Nathan Rafferty from Ski uh, Utah the other day, and he was just euphoric over the snow we had last year and praying for the same uh, downfall again this year. But how good was it? There were areas of the state that had 110% is, I think, the lowest that we had, all the way up to 200% of our snowpack. And the thing that helped us as far as water storage is we had cold temperatures quite late. And then when it did warm up, it slowly warmed up. And that was what part of what hurt us the year before is the temperatures. We had very little snowpack, and then it warmed up so early that it just melted off and it didn't make it to the reservoirs. Isn't it amazing in this modern era how still susceptible we are to the whims of Mother Nature? I I was around during uh, 1982 and 83 and, and that era when there was so much flooding, and you look at the great snowpack that we had, but then it melted so fast, and all of a sudden we have it running down State Street, which is not a good thing. Yeah. How about if we take a a brief break here in a moment? And, you know, one thing that I'm always concerned about when we've done very well, when there's been a lot of focus to whatever degree we can as, you know, human beings and residents and citizens of the great state of Utah and then Mother Nature plays along. But I always get a little concerned when there's a rescinding or we kind of back away from the emergency situation i I don't want to see a bunch of backsliding on on that i know you don't either we don't either yeah so we're going to talk about how we can continue hopefully we've learned some lessons from all of this and we can continue some of the conservation um 
methods that we've all been employing over the last little while. So let's take a brief break. We'll come back inside sources here at KSL News Radio. Laura Haskell with us. And uh, since the executive order on the drought has been rescinded, what can we all continue to do to make sure we uh, manage this great resource, the water in the state of Utah, judiciously?